Hello, space junkies, and welcome to What a Piece of Junk, the Star Wars podcast here on the Fandom Podcast Network. This is episode 102, and I am your friendly host, Scott Botman, joined once again here in the new year of our Lord 2023 by my original co-host on this podcast, Mr. Derek Marsh. Derek, how's it going? Happy New Year to you, Happy Scott. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to the listeners and the space junkies out there. Hope Santa or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah star, all the stuff was good for you for the holidays. And hopefully you're still on your New Year's resolutions if you decide to do any. If not, that's okay. You can come listen to us talk about Star Wars and forget all about that and have a good time because I'm super excited because I think 2023 is really going to be a fantastic year for Star Wars. And I mean, we're going to get into it with Bad Batch Season 2 here in a little bit, but really looking forward to all the great stuff we're going to get later this year. And my New Year's resolution was to talk about Star Wars more on a podcast. So, boom! Are you doing two podcasts now? (laughs) (laughs) And it also was to talk more Star Wars with my original Wookiee co-pilot, our very own Dave Filconi, the man of a thousand nicknames. It's Mr. Nathan Miracle. Hello, hello, hello. Happy New Year, and uh, welcome aboard the Drunken Gungan for 2023. Happy New Year to you as well. You know, I think 2023 is going to be a terrible year for Star Wars. There's just nothing coming out. Wait, wait, no. Sorry, that was 1993. (laughs) This year is going to be jam-packed with Star Wars. some stuff happened for Star Wars in 1993, but not nearly as much as is going to happen this year. Yeah, uh, we, we're going to be very busy here on the Drunken Gungan, uh, reacting to things pretty much every week, like yeah, almost the whole year. I have to double up. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. going to be a, a whirlwind. Um, and speaking of a whirlwind, we had the first two episodes of Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2 premiered this past week. And um I really enjoyed it, guys. I guess overall first impressions uh, before we jump into our five questions about the show. Um, it was fun to see see the uh, the Clone Force 99 crew back. Uh, and, um, you know, when we started out on that beach planet uh, with those crabs, uh, we saw that crab battle, crab battle, uh, to a certain extent in the trailer. Uh, but it was fun to get to see it all interconnected. Although I did joke with Mita when I hit play and that popped up and I said, uh, I think I accidentally started Moana again. My bad. <laughs> that That is the first thing. Uh, I, you know, I watched it with uh, my girlfriend, Andrea. Uh, that's the first thing she said when she saw it was, oh, we're watching Moana. <laughs> like, What's no. with these giant crabs and their hoarding of treasure? Yeah, because I mean that that was the same uh, from Moana as well. These crabs yeah. were all about give me that box, and Clone Force ninety nine was stealing it. And then you had the shiny guy in uh, Moana who was all about give me the shiny. Cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> which in my opinion was the best part of Moana. Not that the rest of it, <laughs> it was, was bad or anything, but that was, was my good. favorite song. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, what did you guys uh, think as your overall first impression of the, the episode? It doesn't have to necessarily be the opening scene, but, you know, uh, Derek, um, h- how did you feel about, about the beginning of the episode? Uh, kind of the same form formula we had in season one. Um, obviously, it was kind of a, a cold opening, right, in a sense, right? Because we didn't get, like, anything. They were just on a mission already. Um, kind of feels like this was a side quest, though, right? Yes. It didn't feel like a part of the main quest or part of the main storyline objective. 
Um, obviously, it, it resulted in a little bit later on, um, but this first portion of it was definitely a side quest. Um, but it, it was uh, overall okay. Um, wasn't anything to write home about, in my opinion. Um, you know, there was some some good parts. Um, there was a couple of lulls. I, I found myself, as some people said, looking down at my phone a couple of times, right? Um, and, and didn't pique my interest. I mean, obviously, it's really hard when you're following something like Andor. Yeah. Uh, which, to be fair, I think had this started right after and we didn't have a, a little bit longer break like we did with Andor, um, it, it might have been a little bit better for me. But because of the the lull so much, um, I, I was just kind of like, OK, I'm, I'm ready to get back into Star Wars. But it wasn't enough to be like, oh, OK, I got to really pay attention. It was lighthearted, which was good. Um, but it wasn't anything that I felt like, oh, okay, I, I need to really focus on this. Um, at least these first couple of episodes, I mean, a little bit later to episode two, um, you know, as we, we got a little bit more going into it back with the, with the empire, but not so much in the first, first, I would say 35 minutes, 40 minutes of the overall, um, hour or whatever we got of the two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan, initial impressions. Uh, well, I do agree with Derek that you know, this is a show where you don't necessarily have to pay quite as close attention as you do with Andor. I, and I think that's on purpose. Uh, you know, that's the style of the show. Uh, so I'm not going to knock the show for that. Um, that's just you know, part of what this show is. It's not going to be as deep or dark as, and gritty as Andor is. Um, so I'm very excited to have Dee Bradley Baker back as... Woo! Uh, the bad batch, everyone. just That's the everyone. whole batch, yeah. um, everyone except for Omega or Omega. Um, so the, the first Imperial guy at the end that had like a 30 second snippet, the <laughs> rampart, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, just ev even most of the bad guys were clones, mm -hmm. uh, in, in this, so um. So that first bit with the crabs, you know, that was obviously a side quest, but it did a little bit to establish, you know, this is what's been going on since season one. You know, Omega's gotten a little bit older. Uh, her hair's grown out a little bit. She's studying up on these technical manuals, which that comes back into play uh, later on. Um, but then it also shows us that, okay, the Bad Batch has been running these missions uh, and you know, they're the top team now so they've been doing this for a little while and they kind of know what they're doing so that's more of an establishing thing uh, yeah so kind of a side quest but yeah it, it establishes some stuff i think it's too early to tell whether the rest of it going to dooku's castle uh and all that is going to play into some larger arc it might uh or it might be a standalone thing <laughs> it's it's hard to tell at this point yeah uh, but you know I, I enjoyed seeing the bad batch back in action and uh, look forward to seeing the rest of the season. Yeah, for for me, um, you, you know what? I, I'm going to wait and save this for the for the questions here because you you were just talking about Dooku's castle, and you know I thought that was a cool a cool little tid tidbit there that even the Empire is you know going to get that stuff because gee, I wonder why there's a certain high ranking Imperial who knows that Dooku has a bunch of money at his castle. Hmm, I can't figure out how that happened. Uh, anyway. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into the five questions, uh, and uh, Derek, we'll kick it well, off with did you. Did you have anything of the overarching season or the two episodes so far? Oh, that was well. What I said about um, the you know starting with the the Moana joke was oh, okay. pretty okay. much my whole interpretation there. But yeah, no, I had a great time with it, um, and uh, I think that uh, it was a good 
a good atmosphere for a Star Wars adventure show. This is very much adventures in the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, so certainly not as dark and gritty as Andor, um, but not even as high stakes as The Mandalorian. Honestly, at no point did I fear for uh, the Bad Batch lives or or even Omegas. Um, you know, I figured they were going to be okay. Now, the ancillary characters that we can talk, we'll probably talk about a little bit in, in a few minutes here. A couple of them I thought might bite it. Um, and, and, and in fact, one of them did. Um, or at least we think they did. Uh, so, yeah, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the five questions. Uh, Derek, number one, what did you like most about this episode? And for purposes of our discussion on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be treating uh, Spoils of War and Ruins of War as though they were one big, long episode. Because they were pretty much a two-part story. Okay, so there, uh, uh, it's kind of two things. So the first one is, and, and Nathan touched a little bit about it, I, I do like Omega's look. I think mm -hmm. she did look a little bit older for a cartoon. Um, obviously, she is not a normal clone in the sense where I don't think she's going to age fast, right? She's going to age as a normal person. But right. she did come across like, yeah, there might be like a year or six months, right? Um, and I do like her look. She got rid of that gem thing or whatever that was over her head and and all that. And she looked a little bit more like, okay, she's been, you know, roughing it with them for a little while, right? She's got a little bit more practice on some things. Um but my, my favorite part, um, and this will be a shout out to, to our good friend, Kevin Reitzel, um, because he he didn't like this um, first part of the um, uh, episode. His least favorite was that the um, uh, Bad Batch were ever using everything on stun pretty much. Right. Yeah. And, and they were talking about that. But honestly, which I think, like I said, we'll talk about this and save for a little bit later uh, on question five here um, and possibly why. Um, you know, they're still doing it on stun, but my favorite part, it, it really got me to chuckle pretty out loud was when an episode two, when they're on, um, uh, tech, um, Omega and, um, echo are on there and they're <laughs> going through the whole, you know, uh, trying to escape the, the, the stormtroopers or clone troopers who are the troopers at this point, the baddies, and they stun the, the first batch and then they kind of go off and then they have to come back through where they left. And the one trooper is like rubbing his head. Like he just woke up and they store stun the poor guy again. And I was like, poor okay, guy. that's my favorite part. So that, that, that one right there. He's the dude who got stunned twice. He's going to have like, a really bad headache. Right? He is. He yeah. He's like, you can't do that. You're going to give him like brain cancer or something. I always think about men in black when they, yeah. when they use the neuralizer on somebody <laughs> multiple times. times. Did you ever use that on me? No. No. <laughs> no, I ain't playing, man. Hey, <laughs> I you. Have you ever flashy thing to me? Anyway. Uh, yeah. That, that good, good stuff, Derek. Yeah. That was, that was an excellent gag with the recurring stun bolt there. Um, I also stun bolt wise. I also liked the one in, uh, I think it was in the second episode where, um, no, it was in the first episode. The first time they're hiding in the, the um, cargo container at Dooku's castle. And that one clone trooper is walking by and he just turns and looks in like the doorway and Wrecker is right there. And he stuns him right in the face so that his face goes, wham and he lands on the platform like just his head and he's just sitting there like this and the wrecker grabs him and pulls him into the thing and tech is like wrecker they're going he goes what i did it quietly they're gonna miss that guy when he doesn't report in oh oh yeah <laughs> but yeah just seeing that trooper go 
Because <laughs> so he didn't, he couldn't fall all the way down. He was like suspended there. Anyway, okay, uh, Nathan, what was your favorite thing about this episode? And, and then I'll go with my actual favorite thing, not not stun schematics or stun gold. Well, I mean, I, I really like the stuns too, because uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Bad Batch to be stunning clones instead mm-hmm. of killing them. They do see uh, the clones as their brethren, and they see them as victims of the Empire more than they do um, you know, actual supporters of the Empire. Um, so I, I actually noticed that they, they were doing the stunning and really liked that bit too. But uh, outside of the stunning, I think the thing I liked best was how the beginning of the first episode showed us this is what's been happening. You know, it caught us up on whatever the time gap was without having to you know, have scrolling text that said, over the past six months, the Bad Batch has done X, Y, Z. But I would have so liked that too, though. That would have been fine. It would have been classic it, Star Wars. It, it, you know, if we had gotten the uh, the voiceover, like yeah. the, the newscast like we did in the original Clone Wars cartoons, yeah. Yeah, that, that would have been cool. But, um, but still, I like it when shows can show us things and have us understand, okay, this is what happened without having to you know, spoon feed Okay, now remember they went on a whole bunch of missions. <laughs> they they increased their XP, right? So yes, right. They yes. Level, they yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well for me, my favorite thing was actually uh guest star Hector Alonzo uh as Romar, the um the old man who was the survivor on Sereno Sereno. Um, Count Dooku's planet of Sereno. Um I love seeing him interact with the clones and just get some of the best burns against you know, our heroes, because Tech is in uh, uh, Romar's hut and he's talking to him about the um, little computer that Romar wants him to repair, a uh, Type 2 data capsule. Um, a Model 2 data module. Model 2 yeah. data module, thank you. Um, and uh, he basically says, you know, what, Tech is like, why do you want this fixed? And he's like, it's got stuff from my my society from before we became separatists, but you probably oh, a separatist archive. Yeah. And he's like, actually it's from before we became separatists. Cause we're, you know, we had a whole planet. Yeah, a whole, we were people before. Yeah, We, we were, were a whole people before that, but that probably doesn't oh, mean I, anything to you. I never and, thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. What, one thing I really liked about that is uh, tech and the rest of the, the clones outside of Omega are younger than the war. Yeah. They they didn't exist until they were created, uh, you know, in the past few years. Omega is actually the oldest person on their team. Yes, <laughs> by, by by quite a bit. Yeah, she's she's the older sister. So anyway, yes, um, of course Hector kills it as the uh, voice actor mm-hmm. uh, and actor in yeah. general. Um, and so when I the first line out of his mouth, I was like, oh my gosh, it's that guy. Um, and then I, had well, I thought it was Jimmy Smith at first. They, they have a similar accent. They, they do. do. So, they yeah. do. So at first I was like, is that Jimmy? I was like, I, I, I guess we're not going to get a bail cameo. <laughs> yeah. no, hey. <laughs> you know that one voice actor can voice act for multiple people, perhaps millions at once. Yeah. And of course, we've uh, already got voice actor Mark Hamill in other Star Wars movies. <laughs> not being Luke Skywalker. So uh, Hamill yeah. actually played a voice in The Last Jedi at which the same time he was playing as Luke. So, you know. Yeah. But no, it's Hector Alonso or Alonso. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, 
younger listeners would know him as uh, Mr. Azate from Last Man Standing with Tim Allen. Great, great show. Mm -hmm. Hilarious role. Uh, But of course, he probably is most famous as the dude who was the hotel major D in Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. Um, So, yeah, and he he does a great job in all of those roles. Uh, And yeah, I loved him basically schooling tech on the whole thing of you got to stop reducing people to such binary things you know um which is actually a a macrocosm if you will or microcosm uh for the uh the clone force 99 group dealing with living in the galaxy after the war is over and when essentially a whole new war has begun of the guerrilla war against the empire um okay so question number two what did you dislike most about this episode i'm gonna go first because mine's a little goofy and maybe i missed it and y'all can help me out but what was in the box that they stole from the crabs? Did, did, we didn't find that out yet, did we? Are we we're just never going to? Whatever it was, Fee wanted it. The uh, Wanda Sykes character. Um, um, did I miss it? Because I'm, I'm. I mean, the thing I dislike the most is that we didn't find out what they were getting from the crabs. Uh, I I do believe it was uh, an egg McGuffin. An egg McGuffin. It is a crate of unobtainium. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, it is the the Maltese Falcon module. Yeah, pretty much. I, I think it uh, did not matter to the plot, so they didn't bother telling us. Yeah, see, that bugs me. I want at least to be a nod to it was a pile of gold, or it was a bunch of credits, or it was the best crab legs you'll ever taste. You know, something. Mm, delicious. Yeah, but, but so that not was that I actually like thing. crab legs. Oh, sorry, yeah, you don't. That was a um. <laughs> That was just a slight nitpick, I know, but it bugged me because it's left a hole open. And uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll find out later. Like with the things they were making at the prison in Andor, we finally all found part out of the Death Star. Those were, yeah, yeah. Um, it, Nathan, what did you dislike the most about this episode? Uh, I think the thing I dislike the most is, is more of a macro thing, and that is, it's a bit formulaic. Mm-hmm. The Bad Batch goes on a mission. Something goes awry. They have to get out of whatever scrape they've gotten themselves in, and, and then they do, and that's it. Um, we've seen that a few times already with this show. Uh, and if they just keep doing that over and over again, it, it'll get a little boring. So back when um, Star Wars Rebels was brand new, uh, I was listening to a few other um, reviews of that show. And there was an episode of Rebels where Darth Vader himself was there, and he was uh, fighting Kanan and Ezra and the crew. And, yeah, when uh, he comes down right in the top of his Tie Fighter. I mean, well, come yeah. on, it's the most bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, no, that, ever, that's you're not Anakin Skywalker coming down. <laughs> I think you're thinking of two different scenes, though, Scott. Yes, I think you're what thinking. What I'm thinking of is when they like the. This is bef- like Ahsoka wasn't involved in the story. Oh, I'm you're talking of. season one. Yes, yeah, exactly. At the end oh, of season yeah, one, yeah, if I remember. Getting okay. there, right? And people were like, "Oh, this is so cool to see Darth Vader and the Emperor again in Star Wars." Yada yada yada. Because this was before the Force Awakens came out, but we knew already that this that the Force Awakens was whatever the next Star Wars movie yeah. was going to be. Yeah, it was before Rogue One, obviously, too, where we got the really yeah. cool ending. For we Vader. knew that the um that. Uh, the Force Awakens was going to be set after Return of the Jedi. So we knew that Darth Vader wouldn't be around per se because he's dead, right? And so people were so excited to see Vader again. And they were like, we, you know, this was great. 
some people were like, we want Darth Vader to be the bad guy for the Rebels the whole time. And other people were like, I don't know. It would really be bad because we know the Rebels aren't going to beat him. But watching him lose to Scooby-Doo and the gang each week would be very annoying. And he, like each week, Ezra and the gang find some way to slip through his clutches and Vader's left standing there. I'll get you next time, Rebels. <laughs> next time. Right? And, and then you pull <laughs> off his mask and it turns out he was old man Jenkins the whole time. Yeah, wait, right. wait, no. So he had a no. Darth Vader mask under a Darth Vader mask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not Darth Vader. It's... Darth Vader. <laughs> That's not Darth Vader. It's Anakin Skywalker. Oh, wait a minute. Um, anyway, so I was like in the camp of no, we don't want Vader to be the bad guy every episode or even every season because, yeah, it's it's kind of going to be like, of course, they're not going to kill him or hurt him. But also there's this total suspension of disbelief that Vader wouldn't just crush them all immediately. Right. And so I was glad that they had someone like the grand inquisitor, uh, then later the seventh sister and so on and so forth. Um, so yes, Nathan, you're very much correct. I don't want the bad batch to turn into, I think Kevin said a team in space, you know, like every week the a team shows up to help solve some problem. They get into a jam and they come up with some gear to, you know, Bust they kind yeah. of are the A team in space. Yes, they kind of are. The, was yeah. it the ninety nine team? Yes. Right, right. Team ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay, uh, Derek, what did you dislike the most? So it, it kind of mirrors with Nathan a little bit, but it, it's really the and I'm okay with it being that every so often, right? Like you get the side quest type deal stuff, right? And we do that, right? And it all folds into the main objective or the main overarching story, right? And you're going to have that where they pull. But I agree with you. Not every week to week, let's hopefully have this, right? But the one thing I disliked was the whole season one again, where Omega is upset because somebody said something and she takes it to heart. And it's like, how how long does she need to be where she feels the bad batch doesn't accept her like do yeah. do do we can't can't we just move on like she's part of the team she's at this point replaced hunter or not hunter um crosshairs, uh, crosshairs. crosshairs. Yeah. um so so cool okay so let's just move along we don't need this like it, it's drama that's really not even drama because it's like okay we're all going to hug and come along and all this stuff and it's like yeah while well, we're getting shot at, right like I, yeah. I don't need that right we've we had that in season one you know I, which i totally get and that's where i was like okay she's she's a little bit older but then yet we still have the same thing where she's you know not feeling uh accepted by her brothers because some you know because as usual wrecker says something right and he's just a bumbling idiot and she always takes it to heart whatever he says and it's like well don't listen to wrecker because he can't make complete sentences so <laughs> right yes <laughs> so he you have no idea what he even means by it right which is again he didn't mean it by that way you know and it's like okay so so really well, that that's it so it's it's to echo what nathan says if it's a repetitive formula it's going to be a long season two yeah and yeah. It, drama that stems from our characters just don't have a conversation with each other that's yeah. not good drama no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, that's it. This isn't Andor. We don't have an you know an hour for each episode to really go into right. that, right? It's twenty three minutes because it's built in for commercials. Let's go on. So, and and I guess really probably the other thing I was, and I'm not saying it won't happen, but I was surprised that you know Crosshairs wasn't even in it. Like, did he just 
not care anymore about the bad batch did they dispose of him because he couldn't get rid of the bad batch like yeah. they you reported are, the bad batch like me for the last time well that's it it's like you know everybody was so oh, the bad batch is dead well no they're not i mean they they wear their same armor except it's a little bit different paint job which was cool looking but it's it's literally the same five clones running around with a you know one of them's a kid clone that doesn't wear any getup right she's fully exposed like yeah, they're, like, they're not exactly in disguise yeah so it's like well bad batch 99 was disposed of but yet you know a thousand stormtroopers just all saw them right like and it's like you go from one thing to the next it's like they have the technology like you know i don't get this like this crosshair should have been here and like that would have been a great way to kick off the season because it's like okay he's still pursuing them, right? He's still upset, but now we got this other guy that's uh, it's just like, okay. Which I would have been fine with, because uh, Rampart was in season one, so he's, yeah. he's a returning character. Uh, I would have been fine with uh, Crosshair showing up with Rampart. That would have yeah. made perfect sense, because you know, then he would have gotten the news that they're there. I can understand him thinking they're dead for a little while, but yeah, he's bound to show up at some point. It was a little conspicuous that he was just not there and, at and all. Not to get too meta, but we do know that Crosshair's in this season because we saw him in the trailer. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So okay, but like I would have preferred Crosshair's to be the main villain at this point, right? Like, yeah. Well, and he he still could be for this season, but it, but if he is, you're right that it's weird that he didn't even like get some note and go, "Oh my gosh, they're alive!" I didn't know. Yeah, I forgot to get out of bed uh, this morning. My alarm didn't go off. I, I thought I had a Google alert set for any appearance of Clone Force 99. Why did this thing work? Anyway. Um, okay, so question number three. What connections did you draw between this episode and the larger Star Wars galaxy? Nathan. All right, well, uh, the big obvious one is we're at Dooku's Castle, uh, yeah. which we've been to before, and we've been specifically to the room that has... The, the thing in the floor uh, that Dooku escaped the with. the room where it happened. Yes. Uh, so as soon as I saw that room, I knew, okay, they're going to open up that chute, and that's how they're going to escape. Like, you, you don't put them in that room and not have that it's mechanism che it's show up. It's Chekhov's chute. So that, that was a, a, a big one. Uh, and then Dooku having tons of money uh, was something that hasn't quite directly been addressed, uh, but you know he is a count, so you know it makes sense that he would have a vast personal wealth. And there have been some stories in the Clone Wars about how the Separatists uh, don't really need as much funding as the Republic does. Um, they're getting better deals from the intergalactic bank, which makes no sense, by the way, because that name would imply that there are other galaxies that they're banking with. But no, 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 no. You you could call yourself the intergalactic bank, even though you're just in that bank, in that ga that galaxy. Just the but, way that we have the Miss Universe pageant here on Earth. You know, it's just it's marketing. Well, it should be the intragalactic. Yeah, it should be, but it's not because <laughs> intergalactic sounds cooler. sounds better. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, there's some other connections, but uh, the, the big ones are definitely Count Dooku. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek, what you got for connections? Captain Wilco. Yeah. So that, at this point, lasted one whole half an episode. <laughs> 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 
or at least we think, right? Um, yeah, there was the, the classic, I got shot and I should be dead, but I fell over the side of a cliff and this is Star Wars. <laughs> yes. so, and he didn't make the classic, ah, right? That's so, true. So he I, I, I have to admit, I was very disappointed not to get a Wilhelm scream. Yes, that in that bad. particular like, shot, he's a clone. Aren't they all supposed to sound like that? Yeah. So, so that was. I'm like, so that means he wasn't. He's probably sitting there, like you know, pulling all his old Gandalf and the Balrog, right? And he's got to figure out yeah. how to, like, you know, pull out his knife and, like, you know, somehow get into the rock and slow himself down before he falls and hits the end. So, and then he comes back with like a cybernetic eye that he got on the black market. You know, you something. And now he's going to join Bad Batch, right? Yes, so. he's going to be part of Clone Force 99 to get revenge on Rampart. Well, they're called Clone Force 99 because eventually there's going to be 99 of them, right? I don't think. I mean, yes, obviously. Yes, <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> Uh, all right, my big connection, uh, Nathan, was so close to stealing my thunder, but he didn't, so thank you. Uh, once again, Count Dooku connection, but for me, it was specifically Count Dooku's personal wealth, because prior to this episode, like Nathan said, there was the oblique references to, oh, he's a count, he must be rich. Uh, but back in 2015, or maybe 2014, Landry Q. Walker wrote a book in the Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away Aliens series of books for the journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens. It was a paperback novel called The Crimson Corsair and the Lost Treasure of Count Dooku, which, you know, frankly, is an epic title, even if it had nothing to do with Star Wars. Um, but it was a reference to a story about Captain Itano, the red-armored pirate that Finn almost joins his crew at Maz Kanata's castle in Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, this is a tale of him before he met up with Finn uh, at the castle there. And he and his space pirate crew go after supposedly this lost ship that was left over from the end of the Clone Wars, even all the way back or all the way out into the Force Awakens era. Uh, that was supposedly a shipment of gold, money, jewels, credits, etc. for Count Dooku's war chest in the Clone Wars. Uh, and so... Um, I'm wondering if the people who wrote the script for this episode of The Bad Batch got a little inspiration from that idea of, gosh, Count Dooku must have had plenty of money and it was all hidden away. And in this case, in the story with uh, the Crimson Corsair, um, it's about a ship that was delivering money, but never made it to its destination and was presumably lost in hyperspace, uh, which is an interesting theory or interesting story to think about in the aftermath of Andor as a series, because their whole thing was a ship full of money. So. There you go. Now, did they find the ship in that book? Oh, gosh. This is 2015, bro. You're going to ask me to remember. I think that it, they didn't. I think that it turned out that um, it was a, you know, a wild goose chase, a, a wild tri-tip chase. All right. Well, he, here's my crazy theory then. You know, they said they only got 85% of the treasure recovered. Uh, I'm thinking that since they didn't find that ship, the stories came from this one ship where all the cargo you know fell off the back um uh, that's cool i like that idea or alternatively we know at the end of um uh, ruins of war uh Captain Wilco tells Rampart that they've recovered about 85% of it, but he won't rest until he gets every last penny, essentially. And um, maybe one of the... Oh, he'll rest. Oh, yeah. He's going to rest at the bottom of that ravine. Um, anyway, uh, that this ship that 
the Crimson Corsair and his men are chasing down um, is another chunk of it that the Empire never recovered. Like, that's the missing 15%. That's my new personal headcanon, and I'm going with it until I can remember how that book ends. Um, Anyway, but yes, uh, so there's my big connection to the rest of the Star Wars galaxy, and I will not be spending the next few minutes Googling up the answer to what happens to it while uh, Derek answers question number four. What did you think of Fee Genoa, the character voiced by Wanda Sykes? It's Wanda Sykes playing herself. It kind of was. It, it kind of was. It, it felt a lot like that. So, you know, like, you know, she's going to be a, a little bit more than, you know, Sid. Like, I feel like she's like, Sid is like a uh, a team lead or like a, a late third shift supervisor. And, <laughs> and, you know, she's she's actually the, you know, um, uh, assistant manager, right? And she's the one who has to come in and be like, okay, you know, what's going on here? You know, whether whether or not it's good or not, right? I don't know, but it feels like, oh, you know, what are you doing? Oh, uh, you know, you, you've, you've paid your extra dues, right? You've been making extra money. What's going on? Oh, I got these, you know, ex-troopers. Oh, let me find out about them, right? Let me see if we can make this, you know, maybe there's more troopers out there that we can, you know, start doing underground, you know, uh, 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 Side quests for yeah. so yeah <laughs> yes side quests. <laughs> so so she's the person who has that shirt that you know looks like it says assistant manager, but then there's that little post-it that says to the uh, there's, there's assistant. Yeah, she's not really in charge management. of anything, right? So yeah. like I feel like it would have been better if she was also Trandoshan because then I'd be like, oh okay, she's like you know they're like sisters or something like that would have been a little bit more funny, right? You know. Um, I mean, obviously seeing Rhea Perlman again, you know, keep doing the voice, you know, was good and all that stuff, but I, it was, it was too short to get anything out of it. Right. So we'll see. I mean, was this just kind of like, she just did all of her lines in you know, half a day type deal. And she's got a few things when they come back every so often, or is she actually someone who's going to help them, you know, do something right. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, so my response to this question is pretty much the exact same as yours. It's, uh, yeah, she's Wanda Sykes. <laughs> like, that's a, a very distinctive voice, uh, which is both a good thing and a bad thing for a voice actor. Uh, it, I couldn't help but you know, hear not Fee, but <laughs> Wanda. Uh, so wasn't thrilled about that part, but I, I do think uh, she could be an interesting character. I think you're exactly right that she is most likely like one step up in the organization, whatever this organization is. Yeah, what, this loosely conglomerated uh, gangsters, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, she's come in to say, oh yeah, you, you've got this top team. I keep hearing about them. So, you know, well, I've got this big mission. I obviously want our top team on it. So when they come through, we'll be great because there's no way they won't come back with a chest full of gems, right? <laughs> right? Right? Nudge. nudge uh, wink, wink. Yeah. All right. Well, Scott, what did you think of Fee? Um, I thought she was cool. Um, I liked that she almost sort of flirted with tech and he, in his most Sheldon Cooper-esque way, completely oblivious to that possibility and began explaining the clone's phenotype and its effect on eye color. Uh, at yeah, which point, we, when uh, she called him brown eyes, my first thought was, don't they all have brown eyes? And so was his. 
yes, that was exactly his thought, and he began to explain it to her in such a way as to make her eyes glaze over in boredom midway through that sentence. Um, and so she just sort of said, all right, that's enough, and then starts ordering Wrecker around to tote the crate of unknown MacGuffins. Egg Mac Mac MacGuffins. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, I think she's going to be good comic relief, but she's also going to be, I think we'll get a scene somewhere in this season where she is having to blast, help them blast their way out of trouble. And she's tough as nails. She, she really gave me a Maz Kanata vibe almost. Mm, yeah. Um, a little bit. Which I, yeah. Which I suppose at this point she would predate Maz Kanata, but maybe not in the grand scheme of things. Cause Maz is apparently really, 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 really. Yeah. Really I was going to say, I think Maz is, is technically older. Yeah. Um, which yep. means we could theoretically see Maz and Takodana uh, at some point in. Now that would be cool, because when we saw um, Maz's castle on Takodana, wasn't there a few flags from the Clone Wars era hanging around at the flag? Uh, I think there probably. were flags from even before the Clone Wars. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. they were before yeah, that. Grand mean, Republic also, ones, yeah. Yeah. So here's my theory about. Uh, Fijania. See, so I, I can't, I can't remember. I was trying to Google their names as, as we've been talking about it. Um, the two black sisters from Clone Wars season seven. Uh, Martez, the Martez sisters, right? Yeah, I think that's um, their mother. Oh, you think she's, she's their mom? She's their mother. Oh, oh, could be, could be. They do have a different last name, but I mean that's not, well. That's yeah. That you know that that could be a cover they name. They take off easily. Yeah, take off that, or they could take their father's name, right? So yeah, yeah. So because that's why she they're on Coruscant and she's not right. So, but that that, that would imply that um, they thought their mom died, but she somehow escaped. Yeah, which would because, make sense for someone of Fee's type of reputation, right? Yeah, because they do tell Ahsoka that both of their mm -hmm. parents were killed. Mm -hmm. um, but it wouldn't be the first time that we thought someone was dead and <laughs> somehow they returned. Yes. Or even more to the point, it wouldn't be the first time a, a underground type, underworld type faked their own death. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I feel like, you know, typical like she's, you know, probably, you know, Either either she faked her death because she needed to escape because she was in bad debt of some sort, right? Or she faked her death in a sense to basically say, "Okay, leave my kids alone. They don't need yeah. no bot, but I'll come work for you as you know whoever the underbelly person she's working for." So, but this is how we'll get the sisters to be a recurring character. They'll show up. Yeah, because they okay did in that. season. They did in season one. Yeah. 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 So. Cool. Okay, time for question number five. Uh, I'll go first here. Uh, any thoughts on an overarching theme or story for this season? Um, I think that it's going to be, I think they've telegraphed it a little bit. It's going to be about Clone Force 99 and Rex trying to help as many clones as they can to escape from out from under the control of the Empire and then possibly even help fight against the Empire. Um First of all, because that's a compelling story and it makes a lot of sense logically because they know how the clones are being controlled because they've all had their chips removed. And secondly, um, it's a really good overarching theme because it makes it to where Palpatine 
was sort of the instrument, he facilitated the instrument of his own demise. Because if the clones are a huge part of the rebellion making military strides against the Empire, but the clones only exist because of Palpatine's, you know, machinations, um, it's a great hoisted on your own petard kind of storyline, which we know that Star Wars loves to do with the dark side, right? You know, they're going to they're gonna have their overreach and it's going to come back to, to haunt them. Or in this case, you know, their, their conf- overconfidence is their weakness. And so Palpatine is having to deal with the leftover clones in ways that he wasn't necessarily intending to do. Um, now, I don't know how successful they're going to be at getting a large number of clones to help fight the Empire. But even if they get like one or two of the caliber of Rex or the rest of Clone Force 99, that's a huge force multiplier as a commando group of elite operatives that help the uh, the rebellion against the Empire. Uh, Nathan, what do you think for an overarching theme or story for the main season two? All right, well, uh, I've got a few ideas here. Uh, one is we noticed that they didn't uh, actually get any of Dooku's treasure in uh, these two episodes. Uh, so I think Fee is going to have them under her thumb. Uh, in these episodes, they said, well, we've already got our freedom. And Sid said, well, it's cute that you think that, but yeah, but no, you, you don't. Uh, so I think they'll be even more enthralled to uh, Fee and Sid at this point. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right that there's going to be a storyline about them trying to uh, release the clones from the sway of the empire. And I think the whole, we stun clones is going to come into play with that. Uh, because I think somebody like uh, captain, or excuse me, commander Cody is going to realize at some point, you know, they're not killing us and, and they're going to have this, this uh, Mitchell and Webb moment of, are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? So, yeah. I've noticed we've got skulls on our helmets. Um, <laughs> so, so I think that's going to play a part. Uh, also, if you look at the episode titles, it has been pointed out that uh, episodes four, five, six, and seven uh, start with F, E, T, and T. Uh, so that would spell out FET. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's coincidence or if there's something to that. Uh, but uh, it could be something with uh, Boba at that point. He'd still be, uh, well, probably teenager-ish, younger teen. Uh, so he might show up at some point. Uh, but but I think the big thing is going to be the clones and and getting them, uh, especially in the the last couple episodes, um, which are named the Summit and Plan Ninety Nine. They're going to plan to kind of liberate the clones possibly through using the the chips against uh the empire you know, execute order 99 derek well to, to echo order 99 but this is how palp gets rid of all the clones right mm. so all the clones will come together they'll figure out a way to mass signal it right and to de deactivate the chip and they'll be like, hooray. And then it'll be order 99 where now this time the human stormtroopers all execute them or they'll all oh, make yeah. one mass battle and it'll be a giant bomb and he'll nuke them. Right. Um, yeah. and it'll just obliterate the planet or maybe we'll get a test of the death star super yeah. laser 
right? super secret so. super laser test or yeah and not not the death star itself but just the gun like strapped yeah. to the bottom of the giant super star destroyer or whatever yeah blowing up the whole planet that they're on right so that's where i feel like and again it'll be the perfect you know cleaning up his evidence by destroying it right so and no one will know that you know it was always pop the whole time so that's where so yeah that's where i feel like that's their whole mission this season is to um you know get what they're uh try to save as many as they can um and then in the end it's fruitless because you know they all have to die and again that'll explain how there's not as many clones anymore right because you would think even I mean, not to say that the Empire wouldn't just let them all die in the battles with the Rebellion and stuff like that, but, like, we don't see them really at all, other than just an occasional one-off here and there, in Rebels and in Andor and in all that stuff. So we, We've seen more Jedi survivors from the time frame of Kenobi on yeah. than we have clone survivors. And that's even if you... Pretend that uh, the Nick Saint guy in on indoor is Rex. Yeah. So. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, I think that's yeah. going to be how they're going to. Basically, this is how they're going to wipe out all the clones. This is how many seasons we ever we get of it. So. Yeah, and then you leave just enough survivors who weren't on the planet to where. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it. Rex has to survive, right? We, yeah, we Rex, Gregor, you know, uh, we might. Wolf. Yeah, um, you might you might get Hunter somewhat survives, um, or Crosshair might survive in the form of what we talked about as a as a dark trooper, um, but we'll see. So, yeah, I think Crosshair either he's going to go full Empire or he's going to be redeemed. There's like no two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. it's he's not going to be middle of the road. Well, I think he'll be redeemed, but in the end, his punishment for his sins is going to be he's going to be made into a dark trooper. And ah, yeah, how, okay. How it carries on, right? And that's how the thing ends. So, so we'll have I'm, some new I'm, new baddies, you know, that they'll be able to do in a, a cartoon show, right? Because at this point, Filoni's got to have his cartoon. So how is he going to continue his cartoon saga? <laughs> so the Bad Batch themselves can survive while most of the other clones get blown yeah. up. And then Bad Batch season whatever because that that could take a couple of seasons well not even that i i think most of them can pass like i said yeah you could have well i mean not this season right i think that's the overarching story right i i think this season it could be or it could be several seasons that we get of this overarching theme but yeah of course we, we don't know how many seasons we're going to get yeah so i, I just true. hope that whatever season is the last season they know that going in yeah because so what they i can don't plan ahead yeah yeah what i don't want is a cliffhanger of and join us next season for cancellation. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and join us next season when we don't get renewed for the streaming. Uh, yeah. But, cool. All right. Well, um, while you guys were pontificating, I uh, did a quick scan of a summary that I found of the Crimson Corsair and the lost treasure of Count Dooku. It is so much cooler than I could have possibly thought. I am not going to spoil it for you, Nathan. I'm going to buy you that book so that you can read it because, oh, my gosh. Oh, my birthday Wait. is coming up. So, are we yeah. buying him a book, or are we actually getting him the Audible? Oh, that's a good. I wonder if there is an you, Audible. You know, if you've got the Audible, that's probably better. I'm gonna yeah. see if I can find that. Yeah, because believe me, once you find out what the, I guess, slight spoiler, the Crimson Corsair and his crew do find that ship and they find the treasure. But, um, treasure. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Anyway, okay. And with with Audible, I can have that playing in the background while I'm working. I, I can't stop and turn and read a book while I'm working. Yes, it's not, yes. not the same. Well, cool. Okay, yes. So, well, anyway, um, if any of that stuff we just talked about happens in this season of the Bad Batch, you can guarantee yourself that we're going to be talking about it here on the show. And also, here on this Fandom Podcast Network, there's a bunch of other shows where people talk about cool fandom stuff. And we're going to take a quick commercial break so that Kevin can tell you about those shows, then come back and talk a little Star Wars news for this week. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Hair Metal Podcast. We cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Lethal Mullet, an action film podcast covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show. Our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom. The True Believers MCU Podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. All right, cool. Thanks so much, Kevin, for that update. Uh, and guys, uh, speaking of the Bad Batch, we got a little update unintentionally about season two of the Bad Batch this week when StarWars.com databank, the main flagship website itself, accidentally spoiled a Bad Batch season two cameo. Uh, and in this case, it is what is this girl's name? Rio Chu. <laughs> help, help me out, Nathan. Chuchi? Chuchi. Chu yeah. Chuchi, yes. Rio Chuchi has been spotted in a uh, screenshot that is part of Captain Rex's official databank entry there. We look at this screenshot and we see that uh, we have Clone Force 99 hanging out, and it is their current incarnation. So um, uh, Omega is there with her longer hair and. Uh, we have Echo there with his robot arm and so on and so forth, and Captain Rex. And they're standing there with Senator Chuchi uh, at the far right-hand side of the screenshot. Um, and so this is a bit of a spoiler because we didn't know for sure that she was going to be in this show. And also, it's a spoiler because we know that you know she survived the Clone Wars as a former Republic senator. 
um, or maybe even still current Republic Senator, because during the adventures of Clone Force 99, that predates the dissolution of the, the Galactic Senate, you know, I am the Senate, hasn't yet actually occurred. Um, at least not literally. Yeah, yeah. The, Palpatine the, said that, the, but then later he literally becomes this by it, abolishing them. The, the dissolving the council permanently, which I always took to mean, um, hey, I used force lightning to murder all of them. <laughs> at least all, all the ones who happened to, to be there at the time. Them. Yeah, yes, it's, yeah. The, it's the Romulan version of dissolving the Senate with the Thaleron <laughs> yes. radiation from Star Trek. Exactly. Poof. It's like, yeah. like, what is this? Oh, oh, lightning coming out of your... Oh, we're dead. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, um, Nathan, give us a little uh, spiel about Senator Rio here um, and, you know, what she did on the Clone Wars, because uh, this is the, the big news is that she's a character that predated uh, the Bad Batch in Star Wars animation. Yes. Uh, so she showed up in the Clone Wars. Uh, at first, she was not a senator. Um but she was kind of a, a representative of her planet. Uh, she's a Pantoran, uh, and they come from a rather cold area of space, or at least cold planets. Uh, we saw her on uh, a moon that orbited Orto Plutonia, uh, which was at just basically Hoth. Yeah. <laughs> when you get down to it. Uh, but there's there was a species there called the Talls, which we originally saw in the original Star Wars. There's one in the cantina uh, named Muftak. Uh, but it turns out that they're not um, I mean, they're intelligent, they're sapients and all of that, but uh, they're not particularly advanced. Uh, they don't travel off world or anything like that. Um, and some of the other Pantorans wanted to just wipe them out because this is our moon. We, we were here first. Actually, they weren't. But you know, <laughs> as far as they were concerned, we've owned this moon because it orbits our planet. And th these inhabitants can just get out. Like, but they don't have any spaceships. Too bad. Too bad. Um, so that doesn't work because uh, Anakin comes in and is like, yeah, no. But that's not cool. Um, so Rio steps up and uh, takes a leadership role in saying, no, this is their world. We may have the rights to this moon, but that doesn't make it ours. It's theirs. Uh, we're leaving. And because of the, the leadership she displayed there, uh, she was then sent to the Senate for uh, her planet. Um, so, Presumably, she's been in the Senate since then. She did show up in a few other episodes, but in much more minor roles. Um, so we'd, we'd see her in the background for things like uh, when the Zillow Beast attacked, that sort of thing. But um, she, she didn't play as major of a role from that arc out. All right. So, now, we played a game of Star Wars Legion yesterday. Yes, and that uh, there's a particular scenario in that game where you have a hostage, and the models for the hostages are uh, a uh, it's not Nemodian. Newt Gunray, uh, it's not a Nemoidian. It's uh, yeah. Rune Hako. Yeah, uh, and Rio. Yeah. So just so, yesterday, 
Darth Vader was trying to capture Rio and Nathan was and menacing. succeeded. It did. Indeed. Every other Imperial in the game died, but Darth Vader succeeded in capturing this one girl. It very Imperial strategy when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. My rebels acquitted themselves well and captured uh, Paco. Not quite sure why rebels and Imperials were trying to capture these Clone War era characters, but it, it was still a fun game. Yes. So, um, are you guys surprised that uh, that Rio is showing up in Bad Batch, and what do you think she might be doing with Rex and the gang? Uh, Derek? I, I think that she'll be helping them, right? I mean, they helped her, so she'll help them. So Yeah. I think she's probably going to be giving them some sort of quote-unquote intel from stuff that's going on in the Senate and the official imperial government you know she's going to be like like rex is going to have found out something from her and he's going to call the bad batch there to meet with her because whatever it is he doesn't want to risk transmitting it over some sort of comm line yeah uh when i saw this spoiler i was kind of surprised that she's showing back up uh but then i thought i really shouldn't be um she is actually fairly popular despite not having that big of a role (laughs) in the clone wars uh and it makes sense to have her show back up. Um, it gives Dave Filoni somebody to work with who is a senator, who is definitely a good guy senator, but who isn't Mon Mothma or Bail Organa. Um, so I think she's probably working with them, and she may even name drop them and say, oh, I got this intel from Mon Mothma or from Bail Organa, mm-hmm. um, but without having to bring those voice actors in. Right. So I, I think you're spot on with, yeah, she's going to be bringing some intel from the Senate and she's a good guy. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we got one more news tidbit this episode and that is uh, for the collectors out there. So Derek, I know you're a huge star Wars card game collector, not so much action figures, but man, if you were, this would be huge news, a horde of more than 300 pristine star Wars action figures unearthed from the closet of an Illinois collector is now heading to auction in February. The toys are still sealed in their original packaging from the 1970s and 1980s. I don't know if you guys clicked through this, but it is some of the most rare and valuable star Wars toys in existence. And they're all in almost pristine shape. Um, There is a tweet further down in this article that shows how whoever owned these had multiple copies of almost every figure from the original Kenner line that ended in 1985, Um, which is just, I mean, astonishing that they would have so many of them, all of them mint on card. And we're talking like the most rare of the rare, including what they expect to be the biggest seller at the auction, a Luke Skywalker figure from the original 1970s line that has the double telescoping lightsaber, which means the lightsaber slides out of the figure's arm, and then this one has a teeny tiny little extra part that extends out even further to make it the full length of the lightsaber blade. The later versions of this type of figure, which I had one from Return of the Jedi, which was the Luke with the green lightsaber that slides out of his arm, um, would only have one level of lightsaber blade instead of the two levels. Um, and they, they are expecting this double telescoping lightsaber Luke Skywalker from A New Hope uh, to go for close to 20 
thousand dollars. That's almost more money than I paid for my current car. It is way more money than I paid for my first car, um, which is just astonishing to me. Uh, but yeah, uh, Derek, looking through this, do you see any toys here that you're just like, I can't believe they have one of those for sale? Well, I mean, the fact that the guy kept it mint in box, right? So I'm sure Skywalker Ranch is going to be all over some of this stuff. I hope uh, so. And and some of the other things, maybe some of it could be strictly donated to like the Smithsonian Museum type deal, right? I mean, because you got to think the way Star Wars is a global phenomenon, um, the toys like this in pristine condition, because I mean, you know, the fact that especially if 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 he was doing it correctly which it sounds like he was where you have to keep it where it's not in light um not in a damp place right it's got to be dry because that cardboard uh, i mean we're talking you know oh, 45 year old stuff at this point yeah yeah <laughs> then uh yeah, <laughs> So it, it dust everywhere with cardboard. So if it's if it's in good condition, then it's good stuff. But I'm just curious as to why he's cashing it in now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, I believe that the the that the, the collector in question has passed away, and his oh, family okay. found all this in his closet. And they're like, "This might be worth some money." <laughs> little did they know, <laughs> you know this might be worth a little bit of money. Yeah, yeah, hundreds I just... of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just said it. Yeah, I I wasn't sure if you had passed away or not. So I think that's right. I don't know the precise storyline, yeah. but I mean, it makes they, sense, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm cashing in because I'm sure it's you know worth several millions of dollars. So yeah, might as well get it in and take it and actually use it for something else. Because and like I said, yeah, if the family's not going to, I mean, we see this all the time. Um, even on Facebook, right? With with the car groups that we belong to, people are like, "Yeah, my so and so family member passed away, that, and I've you know I buried these cards. Help me, right? Or I know yeah. a little bit about it, right? Or you know whatever." So, um, and in today's market, I mean that stuff's very valuable. So, yeah, um, they even have the original Boba Fett figure that you could only get by mailing away, blah blah blah, and it's, it's still on the card. It's a Boba Fett that's on a Star Wars card back instead of an Empire or Return of the Jedi card back which makes it exceedingly rare. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the um, this is not the Boba Fett that I had. I had the one from Empire, but he's definitely the same prototype from Kenner, you know, based on mm -hmm. the same prototype from Kenner. Gorgeous figures. And I, it, I can't believe that the cards are all in really good shape too. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, that's what I said for the fact that he he kept them somewhere where they, where they were mint-free basically. So that's cool. Uh, okay. Um, I... Uh, read through the article and it turns out that no, the collector did not die. Oh. Um, they just didn't know what they had. Wow. <laughs> uh, the toys were acquired by the Chicago collector, uh, primarily of antique coin operated machines who purchased multiples of each figure for his children, one for them to play with and the other to stockpile. Uh, and then basically uh, since he was into antique stuff anyway, he, was talking with the CEO of Morphe Auctions, Tom Toyworthy, Tollworthy, <laughs> um, and uh, basically just kind of casually mentioned, "Hey, I've got some uh, Star Wars figures. Uh, is that something y'all would be interested in selling for me? I kind of, you know, don't need them anymore." And and uh, Tollworthy was like, "Yeah, I mean, we we do that. Yeah, thinking these are probably going to be knickknacks, and, and then." When they received Global. them, realized, oh, oh no, 
We've got our work cut out for us. These are not knickknacks. These are very, very valuable. Um, So, yeah, it was just a matter of uh, the collector uh, not realizing that these particular items were worth money. It's like, wait, Star Wars toys are worth money? Yes. (laughs) Well, he obviously was an older gentleman, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he he bought these like when they were. Yeah, he, he didn't collect these later on once they had become collectibles. He bought these as toys and just thought, yeah, I'll buy extras. Yeah, um, and then further down the article, now I'm skimming it uh, as Nathan's point out. Good information here. Uh, one of the reviewers noted that only a few of the boxes had price stickers on them, which meant that the collector placed special orders for most of the toys. So they were like direct off the truck to him. They didn't go hang on the store shelf at some point. Yeah, you can see the one they show of the star uh, Luke Skywalker doesn't have the punch tag in it. Yeah, where you yeah. hang it. So those right. are worth oh, more valuable. Man. So wow. Cause, yeah, because it's kind of a funny story with that. So. I don't know if you guys, um, I don't know if they ever did it in your local area, Scott and Nathan, you might recall this because you're just a little bit younger than me, but PBS used to do um, once a year uh, for two weeks would do their auction um, for the local city, right? They would have, or wherever the PBS was aired, right? For the localization portion of it. So in Cleveland, um, they used to do a two week auction. So people would donate stuff um, and let them, and it was a lot of like antique stuff, right? Um, And they would donate things to um, PBS to basically be able to auction. And back then you had to phone in and (laughs) you would say, which they had like a a seven digit um, item number to the item. And you would say so-and-so because they would have these auction boards. And the board would be whatever, and it'd have like 15 items on it in chalk, right? And you would do it, and they would go back to the board every so often, and you could see who put the the name price on it and all that stuff, uh, or just the price of it. So my dad put a bid in for a C-3PO one, um, because back then C-3PO and R2-D2 weren't as... um, highly sought after, right? Because when they produced them, they didn't think the droids would be that much of a character, right? They just right, figured they were right. side characters. So they were more limited run. Well, this person had donated a C-3PO, the original 1977 Kenner action figure without the punch card in it. So it was mint in, in that. And it was in a um, actual like plastic bag, right? Cause they just had it. Right. So they donated <laughs> it. Um, so my dad ended up winning it. Back then, I mean, this was mid-90s, late-90s, I think, because um, I was just around in high school. It was like one of the last few years they started. They didn't do it much longer after that. Um, but he won it for like 350 bucks. So you, then you would actually have to drive to the um, location. It was like in the middle between Akron, Canton, and Cleveland, where they had their um, uh, telev- television um, studio set up. So we had to drive there. We waited hours in line because you had so many hundreds of people going in, <laughs> picking up their items. And we got it. Well, when we got it, it was a C-3PO, but it was in a now plastic hard case, and it had the punch in it. So somebody there saw that and went and purchased one probably for 60 or 80 bucks and then flipped swapped it, it out yeah. yeah 
So, oh. so my dad rejected it because he's like, no, that's not what I, I paid for. Right. He's like I paid the 350. I was going to pay the 350 bucks. So I would have had that um, and would could have actually been worth something nowadays. But uh, yeah, so not that the other one probably isn't still worth nowadays, but not worth the money we would have paid. for. Well, and it then. certainly wasn't what your dad had paid for. Correct. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I would certainly love to buy one of the Chewbacca's, uh, but not if it's going to be anywhere close to the price of that Luke Skywalker. Uh, probably, probably be about five to ten thousand dollars, maybe even more, right? If it's that pristine. So, uh, yeah. I was going to see I, if I could find I love a Chewy, Chewy, but no. Oh, here's a Chewy. Well, I mean, opening bid is not nearly as high as what uh, Derek said. Although, note opening bid. Opening bid, Nathan, is a mere four hundred dollars. Ah, yeah. Uh, that that's still a no. Um, yeah, although the estimate on it is anywhere from uh, 800 to 1600 for this particular Chewbacca. Although this is Chewbacca 12C, so that must mean there's more than one Chewy in this uh, auction. Well, you know, Scott, just yesterday we were playing Star Wars Legion. <laughs> yes. Speaking of, <laughs> of uh, this type of figure, um, and... We had a guy come up behind us. We had several people ask what we were doing because that yeah, we got all kinds of attention at the game store yesterday because it was mostly card games and then mm -hmm. us with like a full mat and you know mm -hmm. imperial forest and whatnot. Yeah, that that game doesn't get played all that often at the store that we were at. So mm -hmm. yeah, tons of people were asking what we were doing, uh, and I'm so proud. Somebody came up and was like, "Oh, oh, you've got Star Wars stuff. Oh, I see they come pre-painted." I'm like. Oh, my paint jobs are so good. He thinks that they're very professional. I said he's new to minis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that too. Um, but I, uh, Scott mentioned the Darth Vader uh, captured uh, Ryu. My Darth Vader was painted as the prototype Darth Vader. So great, Rainbow um, so he's, Darth Vader. Yeah, he's got uh, all different colors for you know each arm and the the lightsaber and the head. Um, he's just but, like C three PO. Yeah, you probably didn't recognize me because of my red arm. <laughs> Good times. All right. Well, if you guys want some cool Star Wars related collectibles, please check out our T Public store. But also, let's find out what Star Wars t shirts we're wearing this week. I'm going to go first because I'm bucking the trend and kind of uh, off schedule. Uh, for Christmas this year, I did get a new Star Wars shirt, and it is a Star Wars Christmas shirt. So even though this is being recorded on January the, uh, what is this? Eighth. Eighth. Eighth? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing the Christmas shirt because it's so cute. Hey, according to church, it's the last day, right? Of, that's right. The last yes. Week, 12 so days of Christmas or something yeah. along those lines. That was the other. Yeah, never mind. Anyway, I've got Grogu on my shirt and he is holding a Christmas present that's as big as he is. So his cute little baby Yoda ears are sticking out and it says, this is the way to the gifts so he is all about the presents and he's you know because he's a kid he wants to open presents at christmas and so he is all this is the way to the gifts and he's looking so cute with his package in front of him so i'll be putting this away after tonight's recording until next christmas but i wanted to get one use out of well, it. well you gotta get it in july oh yeah christmas in yeah, july christmas in july yeah uh, whenever I, I, the premiere of Grogu and you can just feel like you need, because I mean, Mando's going to be what, 12 episodes, eight or 12 episodes. Oh so. yeah, that's true. I can wear it for Mando season three. 
Uh, all right, Derek, what uh, what shirt do you have on for this episode? Uh, I wore it once before because we kept getting delays of Bad Batch Season 2. <laughs> <laughs> so I was excited because, like, oh, I get to wear it back in, I don't know, what do we predict, August of 2022? We were thinking August of 2022. Yeah, we were <laughs> way I don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It came out right on time. Uh-huh. It's like a wizard, huh? It, it, it arrived in, precisely when it means, it means to. to. It so. came out in a January. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boom! It's the Chippy Bad Batch T-shirt with the red Bad Batch yes, logo on a black my turtle turtle tea tea turtle shirt collection that I have. So I do own a Bad Batch because it was cool. So yeah, very awesome. nice. Uh, Nathan, what do you got on Star well, Wars T-shirt? Players? You know, uh, you talked about getting your gift there. I got a Star Wars gift too. I got the Razor Crest Lego set, not the big, super expensive one, the Micro Machines version. Hey, but I, it, it looks cool. It even where Mando's riding the whole ship. <laughs> yeah, it even shoots uh, little studs. Um, and, and now, now I'll you'll have never to find that stud. Uh, <laughs> but, but in honor of the Bad Batch, I'm wearing my Rex T-shirt, uh, the one with the blue patch right here, and the sorry, the camera's mirrored, uh, and the marks, the, the tally marks tally for marks, each yeah. uh, Clanka he's killed. Um, so we know that Rex is going to show up in this season. So I'm excited to see uh, the episode or episodes that he appears in. Uh, and this shirt is for him. Awesome. Oh, Mita also got me another Star Wars gift this week. That's for my new car, which I'm going to do a whole segment about my car on the podcast someday in the future. Cause it's uh, decked out in stormtrooper gear and it's an electric Chevy bolt. So awesome. Best car I've ever had. Um, but in order, instead of fuzzy dice for the rearview mirror, she got me some Han solo gold dice. So I'm going to be having those hanging up on the rearview mirror as soon as I can figure out a way to secure them. Um, to, to give my nod to the Millennium Falcon, even though it's decked out in Stormtrooper paraphernalia. Um, I got a great story about defending my choice of Stormtrooper paraphernalia on Reddit, which I'll share whenever I get time to talk about how great my car is. And have very Star Warsy and almost science fiction-y, but uh, that's a story for another time. Um, but if you guys want your own cool What a Piece of Junk t-shirt or mouse pad or a coffee mug or any of that kind of stuff, just head over to tpublic.com and check out the Fandom Podcast Network store on T public Nathan please let folks know where they can find the show out there on the internet well there are tons of places that you can find the show uh, you can find us on fpnet.podbean.com uh, you can find us on Apple podcast Stitcher Spotify iHeartRadio Google Play YouTube pretty much anywhere that you stream podcast you can find us you can also find us on Facebook the What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast Facebook page, or you can email us at whatapieceofjunkpod at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at whatwars. If you're interested in contacting the Fandom Podcast Network itself, you can also contact that on Instagram at Fandom Podcast Network. And if you do find us on Apple Podcasts or really anywhere you find us, we would love for you to leave us a review. We love the five-star reviews, but we'd like you to leave whatever review you feel would be best. And Derek, why do we want those reviews? Well, personally, I like sitting in my cozy home. If we don't have these reviews and we have to go out there and actually do something to you know, keep 
paying for this coaxium. We're going to have to start going on these mini MacGuffin qu side quests because um, <laughs> Admiral Kyle is pretty adamant that we keep up on our payments on this, you know, drunken Gungan, um, which, you know, is still smelling like wet Wookiee fur. But that's all right. Yeah, I noticed so, he started charging yeah. us a cleaning fee. Yes. So if you like the show, please leave five star reviews on whatever platform you're listening to us. So that way we can make sure we're here giving you such great reviews and content. Unlike if we have to go out there and start doing giant crab fighting of whatever. And I mean, I, I know, you know, Nathan's not going to enjoy it, but I enjoy seafood. So I'm okay with that. But, you know, I'm sure if we're on a sunny beach, we might not come back then. Yeah, yeah. Totally. All right, great. Well, we want to thank you all so much for joining us on this episode and for helping us make our way into our second century worth of episodes as we're here at 102 uh, in the year of our Lord 2023. Please hit us up on social media between shows. Let us know what you'd like, what you didn't like, anything we can do to make the show better and more interesting for you, or the kinds of things that you want to see us cover. Um, and please always remember to respect each other and respect each other's fandom. All right, Nathan, punch it. <laughs>